Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. I'm reading from the book of Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. I'm going to read a few more scriptures than I normally would. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest durst no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them. And the believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes of men and women insomuch as they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow them. Therefore came the multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing forth sick folk and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one of them. Verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with them, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Verse 18, And laid their hands on the apostles and put them into the common prison. I'm going to read verse 17 again in the New International Version just for a little clarity. That word indignation means a little something different here in 2023 but let's look at it in modern English then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy everybody's going to the apostles and to the apostolic church they're not coming in to hear them read the scripture anymore they're going into the temple and they're going over to Solomon's porch to hear the apostles preach and they were moved with jealousy Reading again from Numbers chapter 32 and verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Elia and Shaban and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, If we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession. And this is what I want to draw your attention to. And bring us not over Jordan. Bring us not over Jordan. One last verse, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you 
and you shall carry up my bones from hence. He made him promise. The Lord's going to visit you and you're going to take my bones out of you. I want to talk to you this morning on a simple subject further. We lift your voices with me again. Jesus, we worship you and we magnify your great name. Jesus, there's no one like you and no one can do the things that you do. I pray, Lord, you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive from your word. Your word is anointed. Your word is powerful. Your word sets free. Your word changes lives. But, Lord, help us to be ready to receive your word. Anoint my lips to speak. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. There are two urges that are always at war within the hearts of men and women. That is that instinctive desire to go further. And then that fearful contentment to stay put. It pulls at everyone. But each responds differently. Do you answer the call to see what's over the next hill? Or do you build a camp and stay where you are and just do the best with what you've got? I, I, I've always been intrigued by the dispersion of the human population. It's amazing to me. And we know that the, the, the continents were connected before the flood and then after the flood, Pangea broke up. And uh, the continents dispersed, and so that played a role. But even after that, the, the, the amazing thing of men and women just getting up and going a little further, getting up, going a little further, getting up and going a little further. And then I see places where they just stopped, and I thought, dear God, why in the world would you stop there? You know, you see people living in the far north where it's dark half the year, in summertime is, you know, 20 below. And the only thing to eat is seals. I, th I, I Everything in me thought, why wouldn't an ancestor at some point think, you know what, I'm just going to walk that a ways and see if I don't see something green instead of something white. But people settle in one place. It's an amazing thing to step out into new territory, into the unknown. Now we live in this world where we've gone to every corner of our planet. We've gone to the depths of the ocean. We've crossed every part of every continent. We can just with the click of a button zoom in a camera and see any part of the jungle, any part of the desert. It, our world has become so small that now when men feel that tug, they start to look to the stars and think, well, we got to go further, so why don't we go there? You see, there, there is that instinct that comes from God in the natural because when he dispersed them at the, after the flood and they didn't obey and they built the Tower of Babel, one more time he came down and he confused the language and said, go, get out of here. Didn't want them to just stay in that one spot at Babel. He wanted them to go out and spread around the world and go to the furthest places of his creation. 
That is a nature from God to go out and to go into further and new territory. And it's the same in the spirit. There's so many people, they feel the tug of the spirit of God calling them further into his presence, further into his word, deeper into the things of his spirit. And yet there is that part of us that responds in fear and says, I've never been there before. Why don't I just stay put? Why don't I just stay put? Joseph is one of the most fascinating characters in all 66 books. He is a type of the Christ. He's sold into slavery, 20 pieces of silver by his own brothers. He goes from a slave to being the head of one of the wealthiest houses in Egypt, then back down to a dungeon. And from a dungeon, he's elevated until he is the most powerful man in the entire world. And you say, well, that can't be true. Read the words of Pharaoh himself. He said, I'm only going to be greater than you in my name. He said, that's the only thing that's going to be bigger than me, bigger than you, Joseph, is the fact that they call me Pharaoh, but you're the one with all the power. Joseph sits in the most beautiful home in Egypt, with all of the wealth of Egypt, with all of the power of Egypt at his fingertips. He literally controls the commerce of the entire planet. It all runs through Joseph's fingers. No one in this world eats without Joseph's okay. Do you realize that? You want food, you got to come to Joseph. You think Kroger's big or Walmart. There's no getting around it. You want to eat? You come talk to Joseph. There's never in the history of this world been someone as powerful as Joseph was. You can look to all the great rulers of the world, from Alexander to Nebuchadnezzar to Solomon himself. No one in the world has ever had the power that Joseph had. And then Joseph decided who got grain and who did not get grain. Joseph had it all. Joseph Blessed his whole family. They're all brought into Goshen. Goshen is a land of prosperity. Goshen is a land of protection. When famine hits, it doesn't hit in Goshen. When plagues hit, it doesn't hit in Goshen. Goshen is a place of God's provision in God's protection. And Joseph is the one at the head of it all. You don't get any more comfortable than Joseph was. You don't get any more secure than Joseph was. Joseph has it made in the shade. If they had lemonade, he was sipping on it. Joseph had it all. But when Joseph's life is coming to an end, Joseph calls a meeting. When Joseph's life is about to leave this world, he calls all his brethren. 
He calls his nephews, his sons. He calls them all together, and he makes a decree to them. He said, look around here, boys. Look how good we've got it. Look what God has done for us. God has elevated me. God has blessed me. God has blessed you. But I want you to understand something, fellas. You're not going to stay here. But there is a promise of a land that is flowing with milk and honey. There's a land, and there are pyramids in the background but there is going to be a temple of God. There's going to be a promise coming down that road. We're not going to stay here with all of the comfort, with all the wealth, with all the prosperity. There was something deep down inside of the heart of Joseph that says, I want more than a palace. I want more than money in the bank. I want more than food in my fridge, but I want to walk out of here and I want to dwell in the land of God's promise. The twist is that he knows he can't make it there. His body's coming to an end. He, He knows His days are short. And he knows that while he might not taste of the fruit, he might not drink of the streams and the wells. He wants them to understand if he can only go in his bones, he doesn't want his bones left behind. He said, promise me. Promise me when you get out of here. Not if you get out of here. Not if it happens, but when it happens, promise me that you're going to take my bones out of this place. I don't want one part of me left behind in Egypt. I don't want to be stuck here when everybody else is going on to the promise. Take my bones with you. Just pick my bones up and carry them over to the other side. What a heart. You know what? Moses did it. Before they left, somebody said, wait a minute. There's Egypt, smoking ruins. Piles of frogs, piles of locusts. Funerals happening all across, as far as you can see, funerals. The riverbank's still sticky and dark with blood. There's dead cattle laying in every field. There's still hailstones that haven't melted yet. They got baskets of gold, jewels, silver. They're wearing the finest clothes money can buy. These slaves are leaving in style. Let me tell you something. They left Egypt in style. We're going to leave this world in style. We're not leaving this world a bruised and battered bride, but we're going out of here with a shout of triumph. And they're walking out and they're looking and I don't know what they had for Rolex then, a Rolex sundial. They're wearing the finest clothes. These slow, these slaves that, that had been just wearing tattered rags before. And now I look at them. And, and they're getting all the cattle together and what a, getting all their stuff together. And everybody's getting ready to walk out of there. And someone says, wait a minute, we forgot something. Wait a minute. 
wait a minute. And they run back and they get pry bars and hammers and they're the first grave robbers and they break into the tomb of Joseph and there they gather up his bones and wrap them in a cloth and put them up on their shoulders and when they march out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, there Joseph goes with them. Don't leave me behind, but I, I want to go further. That attitude didn't transfer to Joseph's children, at least not to half of them. Forty long years they wandered in that wilderness, not by God's choosing, but by their own lack of faith. Forty years they wandered around with the pillar of cloud over their head to keep them protected from the sun during the day and a pillar of fire that went above them to keep them warm in those cold desert nights. They eat miracle bread every morning. They drink water from a rock that follows them through the desert. Read the scripture. They live miraculous lives. They win every battle they fight. And now the time has come and they're walking up to the river Jordan. You see, the river Jordan was the barrier. It was the marking place. On this side of Jordan is wilderness. On this side of Jordan is not relationship with God. On that side of Jordan is all the promises of God. On this side, you just wandered around. On that side, you're a conqueror. On this side, you're just mixed in with the crowd. But when you cross over Jordan, you are his people in his land, following his word and his promises. That promise had been there for over 600 years. You figure in the age God first spoke to Moses, we're pushing seven, eight hundred years. They'd been waiting to cross that river. All that time as they were slaves, they thought about the river. They talked about the river. They sang about the river. They wandered through the desert for 40 years saying we should have crossed it when we had the chance. We should have crossed it when we had the chance. Never again. Never again, never again. But now comes the day. This is the day we cross over into our promise. This is the day we go into all of God's blessings. We talked about it. We sang about it. We prepared for it. Now the moment has finally come. And they're getting ready to go to the other side. Go further into what God has promised them. And here comes Gad. Here comes Reuben. Here comes Joseph's son, Manasseh. He walked up to Moses and said, You know, Moses, we've got cows. Yeah, I know you got cows, boys. It's good land for cows over here. I, I suppose it's not, it's, it's grazing land Moses how about we stay here and you guys go over we, we've built some towns and cattle pens and life's pretty comfortable on this side of Jordan 
We don't want to keep you fellas back. You go on. You take the promised land. You, you, you don't even give us a piece of it. We'll just stay over here. We'll just stay over here. Do you understand? Their entire identity lay across that river. Their entire reason for being the reason God gave them the wealth of Egypt, the reason they went to Egypt to start with, everything about them, the reason God spoke to Abraham and told him, get up and go to a land that I'll show you. Their entire identity lay across the river of God's promise. And they walk up to the edge of it. And a fourth of them say, you know what? Not too bad over here. We're pretty comfortable right here. Kind of settled in now, Moses. Cows like it real good. Look at them. You ever seen, you remember those commercials, Happy Cows? I think they got the idea from there. Look, our cows are pretty happy here. Taste the cheese. You can taste the happiness, Moses. Moses snaps. <laughs> so what are you doing? 40 years. 40 years. We have wandered in this stinking desert for 40 years because your daddies were just as dumb as you are. And now our moment is here. Our time has arrived. This is our chance. This is our promise. You can see it over there. And you want to stay here? And they barter and they negotiate until Moses just says, all right. You, 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 just, you, stay, you can come back here, some of you can come help us find, and you can just stay on this side of the river. Do you understand the tragedy of those three tribes? Do you understand... That was the end for those three tribes. They're only mentioned a few times from that point on, and it's never good. They're the first ones attacked. They're the first ones wiped out. They're the first ones carried away. And as far as we can tell, they never even returned from the captivity. They vanished the only mention we have is that in the end, there will be a representation for them in the new Jerusalem. But their story on this earth ended when they decided to stay on the other side of God's promise. They just wanted to stay there and graze in the comfort of of what they have known rather than walking into the promises of God. 
They'd rather stay there and graze in the familiarity than to venture out into the promises and the prosperity and the blessings of God. It happens to this very day. People choose to stay and graze in their comfort spot. What they're familiar with, what they know, what their habit is. and Graze in their routine, graze in the status quo. Some just stay and they graze in their tradition. Graze in what daddy did, graze in what grandpa did. And no matter how many times you lead them to the river, and you say, look right there. Jesus promised. This is what his word says he's going to do if you just walk across. If you just step out in faith. This is what he'll do. Look, we've been here. We stepped over. We've tasted the fruit. We're telling you it's good on this side. You've never experienced it like it. But yet they choose to graze in the comfort of what they know. Rather than step out into the wonders of God's spirit. It doesn't stop in the New Test- Old Testament. It continues in the New. The Holy Ghost is poured out. 120, then 3,000, then 5,000 men only. That's not even counting the women and kids. And then it begins to add and then it's multiplying. Until you go into the temple. And, and, not, and, and people aren't going and gathering around the priest anymore. They're all over on Solomon's porch and there's Peter and the boys and they're up there preaching and people are being healed and miracles are happening and people are being filled with the Holy Ghost and running around and speaking in tongues and jumping with joy and it's all happening right there in the temple. And it says many of the priests believed. And then there's, there's even the priest over there. And one day the high priest walks out in all his fancy robes. Why isn't anybody here to hear me talk? It's been a long time since someone knocked on my office door seeking my counsel. And some of his buddies, they say, yeah, look, nobody comes to us anymore. Nobody's asking us what to do. No one's coming to get our advice. They're not coming to ask us to pray for them. Where is everybody? And they all, they're all over there, across the, right across the courtyard. Someone parked their horse in my spot. Someone's sitting in my chair. Don't they know that's my shady spot? Don't they know I used to hang out there? Look at this place. You can't even walk. And rather in rejoicing that the promises and the fulfillment of God's word has come to pass. The words of Joel are there. Rather than rejoice, they become jealous. You understand all those opportunities were available to them. But it wasn't comfortable. They were comfortable with their Jewish traditions. 
They were comfortable with their Jewish ceremonies. They were comfortable with going through their routine. The same routine that had been going on for generations. They were comfortable with what they knew. And there where they stand at the edge of God's promise. It's literally happening before their eyes. And rather than step in to the wilds of the current and let Jesus take them where he may, they choose to stay. on the wrong side of the promises. Fear is a strange thing. Fear it brings out the best in some and the worst in others. Some people freeze. Some people spring into action. Some people are literally paralyzed. Fear. Fear. You see, fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is faith in everything but God. Faith in the troubles, faith in what you know, faith in what the enemy can do, faith in the doctor's report, faith in everything but God. That's what fear is. It's just faith in the reverse. You see, Gad and Reuben and Manasseh, they, they, they were filled with faith. Faith in the fact that there's no way what God said was good is better than what I've already got. They were convinced that there was nothing there in God's promised land that was as good as what they had living out here in the wilderness. They were full of faith, faith that God's word was not as good as what they've already experienced. I'll tell you, I've got faith that what God says he can do is greater than anything that I've ever experienced before. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared. But he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that I think or can imagine. God's got a whole lot more than I can ever even picture in this finite mind of mine. If I'm willing just to step out and say, Jesus, take me a little bit further than you took me before. Jesus, I want to go further into your word, further into your presence. I want everything that you have to offer. I want to go further. I want to go further. I want to go further. I don't want to be content splashing around in the shallows. I don't want to be content splashing around in the kiddie pool of God's presence. But I want to wade out into the deep things of God. You know why you feel the tug to get closer to God? You know why you feel that little something inside of you bucking against the fear, bucking against the comfort? Is because the scripture says, deep calleth unto deep. Deep calls to deep. 
His spirit is calling and pulling and tugging on the hearts to try me, test me, see if I can't do what I say I can do. Step out a little bit further. You see, Ezekiel was given a great vision of the presence of God. Flowing from the throne of God. And when he first steps into it, it's just ankle deep. Anybody, anybody can feel safe in ankle deep water. But the angel tugs him out a little bit further and they get out and it's knee deep. And he keeps tugging a little further and it's hip deep. And pretty soon he's, he's bobbing on his toes. You ever do one of those numbers? Touch and bob, just bob, bob up and bob up. Yeah, but, but the spirit just keeps going. Come on. Come on, Ziegel, don't stay here. Don't, don't stay there where you can still touch bottom. Come on, there's a little bit more. And he steps out. And now it's a river that no man can cross. And he's at the will and at the whim of the current of God. I don't want to stay where I feel in control. I don't want to stay where I feel comfortable. But I want to hear the voice of the Spirit. Step out a little bit further. Wait out a little bit deeper. I want to go into the deep things of God. I want the promises. I want the promises. Promises. I want the promises. You know, I have said dumb things in my day. Real dumb. Well, you can ask my wife. She probably has a list somewhere. I've said dumb stuff. Walking in the promises of God, and I've been so long since I felt comfortable. I said, I just longing for the touch of dry land again. Just feel a little stable. <laughs> shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. I said it multiple times. I shouldn't have said it. Because the moment my foot touches dry land, something, something happens. Do you know there's a tribe in the Pacific? Their entire lives are spent at sea. Their entire lives. They can hold their breath Longer than scientists say is possible to hold their breath. They live on the boat. The children grow up on the boat. Everything in their life is spent out there on the waves. And so something peculiar happens. When they step on dry land, they get land sick. They don't get seasick. They get land sick. Because they're so used to being out there in the deep. Where everybody else gets seasick if they step out and on, onto the waves. These people are the direct opposite. They've been out there in the deep so long that if they step onto the land, they start feeling woozy. Turning green. Getting them little bands you put in your wrist. Popping Dramamine. Chugging Coke. Tell you what, I, I don't want to touch ground no more. Say, is it a scary? Oh, my goodness, it's terrifying at times. 
But what I find far more terrifying now is every time my feet touch bottom, something inside of me screams out, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be out there where Jesus is. I want to go further. Oh, I've experienced some good parts of God, but I want to go further. I've heard his voice. I've felt his presence. But I want to go further. I want to go further. I don't want to stay back. And if I get to where I'm too old to do there, I hope somebody carry my carcass out there. I don't want to stay back no more. I want to go out into the deep things of God. Take me further. See, but don't you just want some routine? Oh, yeah, my flesh does sometimes. Sometimes it's just nice to go through a routine. Ask my wife. I, I could eat the same thing every day. The only reason I don't wear the same exact clothes every day is because she won't let me. Otherwise, I'd have 20 of the same shirt, 20 of the same pairs of pants, and that's what I would wear every day. But she says no. And since she's the one that has to look at me, I surrender. <laughs> I, I, my flesh likes routine. But there's something deep down inside. Something deep down inside. It says, I don't want to stay in the shallows anymore. I don't want to be comfortable anymore. I want to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I want to be uncomfortable. I want to wade out into the presence of God. I want to wade out into the deep things of God. I want to wade out until my feet can't touch bottom no more. Don't leave me on the other side. I want to go into the promises of God. Oh, there's going to be battles to fight. Yeah, but we win every battle that the Lord fights with us. Don't leave me behind. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Stand with me in this place. Church, when a new year turns, we are given a great opportunity. We're given an opportunity to keep on doing what we've always done and never seeing more than what we've already seen. Experiencing more than we've already experienced. Or we have the choice to go further. To go further. Don't stay on the wrong side of your promise. Don't build a camp with a nice window view of God's promises. But step over. Fight the fights. Wage what wars you need to wage. Take territory. Find your peace of the promise. Let something inside of you scream out. 
want to go farther. I want to go farther. I want to go farther. Lift your voice.